This is episode 18 of Eat, Play, Sex. Here's a hot highlight for what's to come. We barely have a, a moment alone to hear anything, and we're cramming, and we're running, and we're sprinting, and we're people-pleasing. So when I had the space to listen, I was in Bali, and I was traveling, and I asked myself, how do I listen? And how do I know who's talking, my intuition or my ego? This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with your queens of climax, Dr. Kat and Di. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Side effects of this podcast may include more lovemaking, hormone harmony, spontaneous sex, exceptional orgasms, less sugar cravings, and more sex cravings. In rare cases, listeners experience a strong desire to try new sexual positions and lube with organic edibles. If you experience moods happier than usual, contact your Facebook friends immediately. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm sex expert, Dr. Kat Meyer. And I'm Diane Kayser, sex hormone therapist and detoxification expert. This week, I'm actually really excited. It's just going to be you and me. Just the two of us. We can <laughs> make it if we try with our unicorn horns. And speaking of unicorns, this episode is we are talking unicorns guide to heartbreak, vulnerability and resiliency. Mm. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. How do unicorns guide through that messiness? Mm-hmm. But first... But first, we want to take a few minutes and just thank all of you listeners who are listening to us, who are leaving us amazing reviews on iTunes. You're all telling your friends, you're telling your lovers, and trying some of the suggestions that we recommend on our blog. It's been amazing what the feedback we've been getting. Totally. Especially on some of our love tonics, the probiotics, and the hormone harmonizers. The, that we recommend on our website, eatplaysex.com. So if you haven't checked those out, head over there, eatplaysex.com, and discover how these can give you greater confidence, energy, and ugh, the sexiest of sex drives. Because our goal is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life. Which will improve the rest of your life. (laughs) Everything. We're also giving away one free Yumi vibrator each month to a lucky listener. So check out our website for the official contest rules. Will you be the next listener, the next lucky listener to get lucky in the bedroom with this new pleasure toy that is beautiful pink with a green necklace that you could take anywhere around the world and pleasure yourself through your partner's fingers with an app. Amazing. Coffee breaks? No. <laughs> we take vibrator breaks. <laughs> seriously, Kat. Seriously. And um, since I have recently been dumped, I've been taking many more of them than usual. Girlfriend, I did right before we hopped on this call. That's why I was late. I'm not <laughs> even kidding. Master- Wait, do we call this masturbation or masturbation? <laughs> you were late because you were masturbating? I was like, oh, they'll boy. be fine. I'll hop on <laughs> Skype whenever and done. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. That, guys, you, you get the vulnerable side of us today. Um, you're going you're gonna to hear this is kind of a, a multiple rainbow color array of emotions that you're going to hear from Dr. Kat and I today. It's When it's just she and I, we don't have to worry about I mean I don't even know if the term is worry but we, we're not dispersed as much so um, we've got a list of 10 things today that I have um, journaled about how I feel about getting dumped and it does involve actually using my pleasure toy a lot more so <laughs> a little plug for our um, 
are a sponsor from both of us, but also uh, just a little bit of vulnerability too. that just because we're, I'm sad about being dumped doesn't mean that I have to take my goddess garden with me because she doesn't deserve to be get dumped too, you know? No. <laughs> no. Take care of her. Yeah, take care of her. This is a lot about self-love. So, okay. So here's what happened. And you guys get to hear some of my journey. We don't talk about every single thing that happens in our life on the show. You know, we record every couple weeks as we're recording this now. And I don't believe that I've talked about this specific person, but I had been seeing this specific person. We will call him Drool Face. <laughs> um, in, in the last... Drool Face? Yeah, Drool Wait a Face. Minute. Yeah. I don't get it. What do you mean? So... I had the conversation with him when I had got when he came back from a trip and he'd been gone for a week and it would be it had been like a really hot start you guys know those relationships where you like everything is so hot and passionate when you first meet them and you're like super stoked and there's oxytocin flowing if you don't know what oxytocin is lovers listen to like one of our top I think it's the two of the last of the first five episodes we recorded about oxytocin Uh, it's the love hormone it's the connection hormone It is the hormone that is on fire, especially when you first meet someone and it binds us to each other. And so when you first meet someone, it's like a, it's like a high. It's the drug. It's serotonin. It's, it's a neurotransmitter. It's hormones. It's stuff that we're like, wow, this person is amazing. I've only known them in two weeks, but I swear they're my soulmate. And I swear we're going to be like, married in like a a year (laughs) you know there's all this like hot there's a lot of heat and so I've probably talked about this in previous shows but I was um I don't know if the term is former addict but I used to drink heavily and I was I think addicted more so to numbing my light than I was to the actual you know drug or alcohol itself but um so I get I you know I I get addicted to things that I love. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lover. I love hard. I'm very passionate. And so it, it grew really quickly. And, um, within a matter of two weeks, he started retracting and I was like, what happened? And I started doing the research, Dr. Kat, and you may even talk about this with some of your people and your patients, but it was like, where did he go? <laughs> he was all hot about everything. And then two weeks later, I was like, uh, what happened? It was like this, knock, this pull pack. Knock, knock. Yeah. Where, and I was like, are you? Yeah. And he wasn't opening the door and I was like, uh, I'm knocking. And so then I just started retracting too and just kind of being in step. So he went on a trip and I heard like maybe one text or so a day from him. And I thought this is just weird. And then one day on a Thursday, his, uh, he just stopped texting entirely. And I was like, I don't, this is my gut feeling was going crazy. And so when he got back the next day, I had a conversation with him. I didn't make anything about him. It was, Hey, you know, it feels really good to me when I hear from you and there's reciprocation if I'm texting you too. And he said, you know what? You're so right. This has been a problem in my previous relationships too. And so I, I will work on this. And, and I said, you know what? You don't even need to send me words. It could just be, you know, a drool face emoji. (laughs) Just to let me, just to let me know you're thinking about me because some people have a hard time putting things into words, you know. So we will call him Drool Face. Drool Face. Yeah. Drool Face emoji. Yeah. So I figured that just might be easier. You know, some people don't do well with words. Sometimes you, they need to ease into stuff. Patience, right? See, I would call that out. I would call that bullshit. I really, <laughs> I do because that's not okay. You cannot develop a relationship around emojis first of all and it's giving somebody it's it's like 
coddling them for a moment. It, it's saying, oh, you're not very good at expressing what's going on for you. Here, let me make it as easy as possible. Let me accommodate for you. Let me give you all these shortcuts to not feel what you're feeling and express what you're feeling. And he'll never learn how to tune in and express. So uh, I'm calling that. Nailed it. Failed it. Yeah. Diane Kayser failed it. Okay. Yeah. This actually is the perfect segue into the number one thing I wrote. And and lovers, this is not in any specific order, um, but this is, you know, the number one thing is drawing boundaries. And so before you even get started with that, I'll, I'm just going to share this too. When I was getting ready, when I was getting my thoughts ready today for a show, I was thinking, oh, you know, there's going to be all these things. They've Our listeners have probably heard it before. So like, what does it even matter if I share it? And I was like, what What am I doing? Like, th- there's the not enough talk. You know, you could hear the not enough talk in there or too much talk or whatever. So you guys are going to probably hear some things that you've, you've heard before, but you're probably going to hear some things that you haven't. And so just realize that these things are not the easiest for even me to talk about. It takes some courage to even cultivate, to, to get on a show and talk about these things vulnerably. They come from deep scars from my past, but we're going to make it fun and light because if we can't laugh at this stupid bullshit, like ego that we've got that is just, you know, a, a, an evil face that is full of nonsense and stories that we keep carrying around with us that are super heavy and, and create fatigue and store on our waistline, we, we can't, we can't be present. If we can't laugh at our funny stories, stories then and the 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 dark sense of humor that sometimes that we have that gets us in these thoughts of I'm not enough or I'm too much or whatever then we just what are we doing here if we can't laugh so you're probably gonna hear Dr. Cat laugh at me a few times and no. it, might, it might sound like I'm sharing something vulnerable and she like laughs but it's not because <laughs> she's shaming me it's because like this is just all a bunch of stuff in our head that's not real like you know so anyway and honestly though you're being vulnerable but these this is the voice of the collective like i don't Correct. know how many times people well say said. i don't want to be that girl who's jealous right. i don't want to be that guy who's so needy listen we're all experiencing those insecurities or those triggers or those contractions i like to use the word contraction because your body literally contracts when these come up and you can either keep them quiet inside of you or you can vocalize them and allow that to not get stuck inside of you. So here, what like you're it. doing is literally allowing these things to flow through you and process. Okay. Number one. Number one. Drawing boundaries doesn't make you a bitch. It makes you a badass. So boundaries. How to be a boundary badass mm. instead of a boundary bitch. And more importantly, it's the key to self-love. So I will share one quick example. And it was that in the beginning, we had been hot and everything was great for two weeks. And so when we're in this space, we're willing to tolerate more. And one of the things that that he had said about a sexual experience that you know we hadn't had sex just yet, but he had sent me a text that said, when would it be appropriate or okay for me to ask when I could be balls deep inside of you? And I read that and I went, oh, ha ha, that's just how boys talk. And I wrote it off. But then really the inner voice inside of me said, Diane, that's not how goddesses or sensual, classy women like to be talked to. Unless so, they want to. Well, unless they want do. to. It, and we weren't at that point yet. Gotcha. And so I wasn't there yet. And I should have said something and a part of me didn't because I didn't want to, I didn't want to shame him first for being himself, but I, I also didn't feel like I was um, respected at that point. Later on, 
I could have been okay with that, but it was it was kind of early. So, Dr. Cat, what would you say about that one? <laughs> well, I think a couple of things come to mind. First of all, boundaries are super important. They are self-love. And how many times we develop these underlying beliefs that setting boundaries is selfish or setting boundaries is not being uh, open and, and flowy and evolved and blah, blah, blah. But we need these boundaries and it. it it shows what our limits are and what we're okay with. I'm able to give this much and then not anymore. In this particular scenario, it is something he had already crossed your boundaries or you had allowed your boundaries to already be crossed. And sometimes we build resentment. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's victimizing ourselves. And sometimes it's just like a, like an icky feeling and we or anxiety and we and that's those are simply signs that we need to set a boundary we need to state something we need to call it out hey that didn't really feel good when you said that to me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. just just bringing up wow brother like <laughs> you're very very open huh uh, doesn't <laughs> that kind of like makes my lady garden wilt a little bit <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is what turns me on so right. state how something affects you and then see and then give a an alternative <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes I love that because there's no there's no shaming on on the other person no. it's not like I can't believe you said it like that it's just more like hey instead this is how I like to be talked to and that's that is one thing that that I was uh, proud of myself throughout this relationship is that I I not once shamed him for the way he said or did something thing and I feel like I communicated that well so that's how we talk to other people is a good example too of how we talk to ourselves. and so, so yeah of course I'm a sexual person but and and I'm okay you know getting dirty in the bedroom and everything but it, it when it's before we had had the opportunity to to make love or whatever words you want to use that had come out and so I thought well okay I'm not really sure how I feel about that so now looking back I wanted to uh, mention that drawing boundaries and being able to communicate them healthily is something that is healthy for a relationship and it should not be swallowed down because that's the kind of stuff that gets stuck in our stomach and our gut and we get sick from it because we swallow the things that we should have said differently or should have said period so yeah, we're going to have a whole full separate episode about that. But also we, we're going to reference a link below that Dr. Kat wrote about how to draw boundaries because it seems to be a really big theme oh in God, both of our practices. Yeah. 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 So clear communication is the number one thing that, that people have in, in terms of a roadblock that creates divorce so or just separation of any kind. So we want to make sure you guys are communicating well. What's number okay. two? Number two is we can only hear our gut feeling talking to the extent that we're in a quiet place to listen. Whoosh. I see a meme. I'm going to create a yeah. meme. <laughs> yeah. So if we've got so much going on, you know, this feeling of overwhelm, we feel like we're so tapped out in our schedules that we barely have a, a, a moment alone to hear anything. And we're cramming and we're running and we're sprinting and we're people pleasing. And so when I had the space to, to listen, I was in Bali and I was traveling and I asked myself, how do I listen and how do I know who's talking, my intuition or my ego? And what I realized is that if it was fear-based, it was my ego. And if it was heart-based, it was my intuition. So I got real with being able to discern the difference by feeling 
what it felt in my body when I had either one of those. And either one of them, I would not bring up to him because I realized that those things were not about him. Those were my feelings. Those were things that I was feeling about my, my past, my present, anxiety about my future. And so this is where meditation comes in handy and where people go, I'm not good at meditating. And I'm like, what? You're not good at breathing? <laughs> so, so when I was in Bali and I had this space to listen, I would write texts to myself instead of him as though I was a person that I was writing myself to. And what happened is there is that I realized that parts of me were falling in love with myself because I learned that I needed to, to develop passion, persistence, patience with me a- instead of him. So the more we could have those things inside of ourselves, the more we could have them for other people. And so that gut feeling was clear when I had space. And also, of course, when we're eating healthy, because if we are feeding ourselves toxic food, then our gut feeling is getting, lo- the, the message is getting lost in translation with all the junk we're feeding ourselves. So, so yeah, when I got clear, I was able to journal a lot more and I learned the importance of space there, Kat. So what would you say about that one? Yeah, so I hear a couple things. I mean, I think it's really powerful that you can write these things out and go back and, and look at yourself. You know, like it's this conversation with yourself. The other thing, though, these gut feelings that occur in our body, I describe them as contractions and expansions that we continuously have as we go about our day. We get data input into the body. We receive data from our environment and our body either contracts to it or it opens and expands. It, it energizes or it pulls away, right? So mm-hmm. these are our internal cues that something is in alignment with us or not align, uh, not in alignment with us. And we need to give some time to and focus to on how, how to maneuver through that. And we have to remember that we are a compilation of everything we've experienced in our lives. Every yeah. every cultural message, our family messages, you know, all these events and activities that we have found ourselves in have, have created this worldview that is in our mind. It is not like anybody else's in this world. So there are multiple realities that are occurring all the time. Now, if you're having these contractions and expansions, as we do as humans, the other person will never know what is your worldview. And they'll just keep assuming that that you think the same exact way and react the same exact way that they see until we can vocalize, hey, this was a contraction for me. Oh, this doesn't feel good for me. This is what's happening. This is this is just a guttural response. And there is no judgment on that. We don't even have to know what it is that our body reacted to, but we can simply draw to my shoulders just collapse there. My chest just tightened. My breath got caught. Those types of things because it causes you to own your own experience and there is no blame in that. It's just the body reacting. From there, we can begin to explore. And those are the pieces that is true intimacy. When we can show somebody and they can see our moment-to-moment contractions, that builds intimacy. Otherwise, we're in two different worlds, walking around, sitting in the living room, curled up on the couch, two different worlds. Oh, yeah. And you can just you can just feel the worlds of space between the two of you. And I, I, I know that feeling laying in bed next to your partner and you feel like literally there's like 
countries between you two and you're you know two inches apart so we'll talk about more of that in number five but number three is soulmates don't always come on a white horse mondo uh what (laughs) (laughs) or on a unicorn for that matter swift insert taylor swift (laughs) i know right we should send her that as a title for her next song i realized the the night before we broke up where I knew it was coming, I just had that gut feeling. And, you know, I, I, I played pro soccer and so I don't like to quit. And sometimes sometimes that's not a good thing. Holding on to something where you just aren't resonating with it, but you just don't quit. Well, sometimes just because you quit something doesn't mean that you're a quitter. So I think that's another thing that I learned that's a part of that. But soulmates, we tend to think that soulmates are these people who are going to come in and sweep us off of our feet and everything's going to be beautiful and we're going to be flying around on a magical hummingbird with a horn on our head and everything just happens perfectly and that's like Disney's rendition of it. But I realized that they come in a a wide variety of colors and genders and time frames. I wrote this down because I, I realized that soulmate, if you break down that term, I wrote this for him. You were a soulmate. I surrendered to you, and in doing so, I learned how to mate with my soul. That's what a soulmate is. Now I get it. That's pretty. I like that. And thank you. Yeah. So (laughs) there was this new feeling of love for myself that I cultivated. It was never the intention with this, but one night we were laying in bed, and it was the night before we broke up, and he said, we've known each other for millions of years. And I was like, whoa, just thinking about that. And we both knew we were brought into other's lives for a reason. You know, they say for a reason, a season or lifetime. And this was definitely a season, but it was a hot one and it got cold real quick. And when I was in Bali and I was writing these notes to him, really to me, there was a new level of love and I was able to mate with my soul. And since we broke up, there has not been one tear shed about him, mm-hmm. which typically in my past I would have experience a lot of guilt and shame around and so that's why it's I'm okay to talk about this now I still feel like my butt's flexing a little bit (laughs) you know talking about this I'm I'm, like you said I'm kind of retracting because there's this fear of being judged like oh god people I wonder what they're even thinking about all this stuff but it's my truth and so I'm sharing it because again the collective so and if you think about soulmates or people I, I like the way you said you know people come in and they go they they have a reason they have a I the way I see things in and everybody's going to have a different worldview about this right so pick whatever belief is going to be most productive for you moving forward in your life but for me it helps me to see people as ways that I can evolve myself so the 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 people that I'm attracted to and and end up dating like what can I learn from them and what can how can I contribute to their self-evolvement as well and when those times come to an end then those lessons are learned or I can take that time period and reflect on it. What can I learn from this? So that way it's not so much. And and the pain comes from the attaching to a potential yes. outcome. It's not. Yes. In, and we talk about this in yoga, this concept of a parigraha, which is non-attachment. Can we allow things to continuously flow through life in its own cycle, in its own time, knowing that everything has an end eventually? And can we allow it to move forward with ease and grace? Or do we try to grip 
tightly onto this ideal, trying to force it into something that's not in flow or not supposed to be happening. Yeah, like literally being in the back seat and jumping into the driver's seat and being like, no, 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 this is how you should feel. This is how it should have gone. I want this you. is awful. <laughs> I want you to love me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the other, that's the other one that, I, that I'll share in one of these future ones too. But it, it is true. It's number the, four. Number four number is like four. exactly what we're talking about. Well, before we move on to number four, what you just said, the, the concept of, of pain, um, and we, when we experience pain, it's because of attachment. And then that's what I used to numb with alcohol and painkillers and medications and, and things is I didn't want to feel, but the, the feeling that I created was my own. It was, which we'll get into number five. So number four is we attract where we are in our life. And so I agree with a lot of the concept of law of attraction, which is that we attract our thoughts, our thoughts attract our reactions in life, the things that are, that are brought to us in life. There's a lot of synergy you'll notice. Even like the other day I was listening to a podcast and I heard someone say, would you rather be at peace? Literally looked over at one of my supplements sitting on the counter as that person said, be right. And my formula for the supplements called be right. And I was like, synergy you know there's all mm-hmm. sorts of things where you're like oh i'm right where i'm supposed to be and people would call that oh coincidence and it's really not law of attraction is real and in my space if you want, if you it, want to it to be, be correct remember these are each of our worldviews each of our beliefs pick whatever is most productive for you and this one's very productive yes. and this, so this one is i was what was what i referred to as a mixed bag when i attracted drool face and so i was still in transition with my beliefs about myself and i'll share with you the number 10 at the very end something very powerful i learned about myself and that's been hooking me that's been carrying me throughout these relationships that have become a pattern so you know you hear people say oh the same things keep happening to me I keep I keep meeting the same guys which would mean that they're all bad and it's not or we're attracting the same girls or we're attracting the same situations or we're attracting the same like whatever situations in our life and then we say that it's all bad and it's really that there's a hook in us and so for me there is still a bit of a hook I've been doing many many years of work on myself to uncover and discover who I am as a person versus who I am as a, as a character as a personality you know they're totally different so who I am as a spirit as a soul is different than who I am as a personality and that's like our personality is that mask we learn from society versus like our soul and our spirit is a, a deeper part of us and so my my character my personality was still attracting some of the, I would say the immaturity about me and the need for attention, the need to be, the need for confirmation, the need for verification that is beautiful. There is something, Kat, you've heard of the Myers-Briggs test, right? Yes. Okay. I like that too. I, um, it's a one personality of the, test. Yeah. Personality test. And I'm an ENFJ. If you guys want to look that up, you can. Uh, ENFJs, Everybody wants to know what Diane is. ENFJ. <laughs> well, we're reading Diane's diary. I know, right? This is totally my diary right now. Um, but ENFJs are people who are, you know, they're natural born leaders, but they all they give a lot, but they also like a lot too. And so we tend to give what we like back. And I, when I read through that and I was in Bali and I was just like, why do I keep feeling like I need attention from him? Like I sent him a text with a beautiful picture of me in Bali and you could see like this beautiful curve of my body. And he says, what a great picture. But he never says, wow, you look beautiful. And I'm like, why, why can't you just tell me I'm beautiful? And so I, I realized that that's a part of a, 
who I am as an ENFJ, ENFJ as a personality trait, we do like to give a lot of praise, but we also like to get praise too. And so I stopped shaming myself there. I went, you know, this is just a thing, a personality thing. But you'll hear number 10, the reason why I was a part of a mixed bag, there was an unresolved piece of my story from my past, but that's what I attracted. I attracted somebody that for me was not going to be able to fulfill what I needed because I was still not whole without myself. So I was not attracting a whole person because I was not whole. Kat, what would you say about that? Whole person. I'll get onto that. Actually, this ties perfectly well. So in psychology, we talk a lot about how our earlier experiences with our family members or with, you know, our our primary caregivers of what it looks like to be in a relationship or affection or to manage our emotions or to receive love is imprinted on our brain in these neural connections. So this is love. This is what love looks like. And moving forward, this is my foundation of what I think love looks like. Now, of course, that evolves over time and these neural connections can change with life experience. But think about if you're entering into a, into a world where your love means you know, some sort of trauma or abuse or even just ignoring or shaming or those kinds of things. See see how that's imprinted on the brain. Now, we even talk about that in attachment theory, where how do we attach to our primary caregivers is, a again, that foundational piece of how we create healthy attachments, meaning we're able to allow ourselves to be humans who need and, and have comfort from another human being. Or do we find ourselves uh, inhibit or avoid or get anxious around relationships and attachment? Uh, So when we use, you know, talking about the idea of this whole person, uh, this is something I've talked about, had conversations with you about in dating, especially, you know, if I want to attract a whole person, somebody who is able to self-soothe and me soothe and you know all these have their shit together i don't know how else to say that but a balanced person then i have to be that first i can't expect a whole person to want to partner with me if i'm not doing the work myself now I'm also saying you do not have to be perfect in order to enter a, into a relationship because a relationship is such a unique space in which we can receive reflections about how we show up in the world and we can work on ourselves, yeah. right? So we don't have to be perfect to enter into them. However, you if you want somebody to be doing their work, you best believe you better be yeah, doing yours. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> For sure. It's it's growth is, is on the part of each person and, and then of the collective. It's hard to have a conversation when you've got someone who feels like you know, they take it personal, which is going to be exactly what number five is about. And we're going to talk about perfect lovers. We're going to talk about perfect in number seven, too, because I am developing a severe IgE allergy to perfect. And so my body starts itching when someone says, oh, you're not perfect. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> um, so number five, number five is really ask yourself how you feel when I say this. I am the only one who can hurt me. I'm curious how that feels to try on. I am the only one that can hurt me. And what that's saying is that anytime we say the words, you hurt me, he hurt me so bad, is 
not actually real. It's our projection of we're feeling something as a result of someone else saying something. And so it may sound like a very foreign concept, but we own our emotions. No one else can own our emotions. Someone can say something that can hurt us, and those words hurt us, but that person don't doesn't hurt us. So we give that person the power to hurt us, and that's how others can we can tend to be misled to think that they hurt us. There is it's very rare that people are deliberately trying to hurt. They say hurt people hurt people, right? And so when we take the power away from other people, we realize that we're the ones that are taking it personally based on a precept of previous relationships or, or the hook that I'll talk about in number 10. But the only pain that I can feel is the pain that I allow. And there is that gap between expectations and reality. And so the things I wrote down is that, you know, the concept of not taking things personally, it's, you know, one of the top five rules and um, Don Miguel Ruiz's four agreements is to not take things personally. So when people say things and it strikes you as not doesn't feel good but we make it mean something about ourselves then we're really in a sense being selfish because really that's another person's reality and so for me I uh I never really looked at like he's hurting me I just went why do I continue to allow myself to cry why do I continue to make make it mean that just because he's not responding in a way that I expect which the second run is to have no expectations. Why am I allowing him to have that much power? So where am I not not giving myself love that I'm putting that so heavily outside of myself that someone or something or a lot of things have that much power over my happiness? That actually reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody I had begun to date. This was like, God, I don't know, a long time ago. But he goes, I don't want to get hurt. And I was like, Oh, I will hurt you and you will hurt me and we will do it unknowingly every single time because we don't have the intention to harm the other. We are on the same team and we want to support each other and I don't know your triggers yet and you don't won't know mine every time. Every yes. conversation we have, even if we stay together for four or five, 10, 20 years, I will still have triggers and it will never fully be you, and it will be you at the same time, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> no, it, it totally does. And you, your conversations in your relationship, pretty much we all have the same types of struggles in relationships. They're voiced differently. They come out differently. Um, some people say, oh, it's just bad timing. And that could be true, too, because I think that the only bad time really uh, to not date is when we're not ready to grow. We're, we don't know how to handle our triggers. We're easily overwhelmed and we're not in a space of self-love. So we are expecting it from the outside. And so I've never really been able to understand, like when people say, I'm not ready for a relationship. I'm like, why not? I oh, I'd that. say it. And I totally believe yeah, in timing. I, I, I've never said that. I've very rarely said that. I've said it twice in my life where I'm like, I, I don't want to be in a relationship right now. I didn't really understand why. I just realized that I just didn't want to feel hurt anymore. But but looking back now, I realize what I was feeling is I need to feel whole, fulfilled, and loving toward myself before I can do that for anybody else. But I just didn't have the tools. I just I, I said, I needed a break. I, I need a break from this. I don't know what it is that I need. But now I realize that looking back, 
I was looking for the tools. I just didn't know where to find them because loving yourself unconditionally and the patience for yourself and not expecting yourself to be perfect will translate that same thing into a relationship. You're not going to expect them to be perfect. You're going to love them unconditionally. You're going to be more patient. And in the end, when he decided that he couldn't be in a relationship, I tried to kind of rein him back in and say, well, you know, I understand you've had previous bad relationships. Let me love you in a way that you've never been loved before. And that was me starting to try to take the wheel. And then I went, whoa, 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 oh, old patterns. Stop it. Let him Don't go. Just that. let him fly. Let him fly. You know, respect his path, um, which is number six. This is the perfect segue. I wrote, we can't make anyone love us or want us more under this the subset of I'm the only one who can hurt me, which is number five. So number six is I think it's very important for us to look at how someone relates to their source or or sisters or brothers or whomever that's close to them in their life. And so I wrote down relationships with mom and previous relationships do matter when looking in the rear view helps. So when I first learned about this person's past, you know, didn't have a very good relationship with his mom. Uh, mom didn't have a good relationship with herself. His ex-wife and him were pretty much not not on good terms for 14 years. And then he went into another relationship after that for a year and a half or so with a woman that was very, apparently, according to him, she was psycho, psycho, psycho ex. Mm, I don't like that and word. I went, wow. I don't like it when I hear that. I don't either. Mm. I don't either. Why, Kat? Can you explain I that? Just, I, so if another human being calls somebody psycho, especially if if it's a significant relationship, like a significant other, there's no, there's a lack of owning your part in that dynamic. And we all, any dynamic, there's, there's more than one person. And so how do we dance with them? You know, I don't think it's necessarily to blame the person for being in the, you know, formative years, the relationships with their parents. And, but it's how do you, what have you learned? What have you learned from those relationships? How have you evolved from them? How do you claim your part in, in whatever past life you came from? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said earlier in the show, which is, which is so true. If, if we have a permanent stamp in our brain as to what love really is and love was negative words or, or abuse or, you know, whatever attention that wasn't necessarily healthy, then that's the imprint that we carry that is love. And then you get this, you know, pure, truthful, honest love, which is what I really truly feel for the first time that I, was able to exhibit in a relationship that came back to me, then a person goes, well, gosh, I can't give that kind of love because it's not the kind of love I'm used to. So so I think that when I heard that, I, I would say things like, well, wait, you know, there, there, there's two people in this like what happened here like let's let's look at her and what was it that she was needing and, and there was not really an open conversation about that. So that's where I went, hmm, well, then there's not going to be much compassion for me either. So yeah, that's important. How you connect with women and, uh, you know, if how we connect with whoever it is outside of us and how we talk about those people really matters too. So that was a big one for me. And then number seven, perfect is a bad word. We were talking about this earlier, how I grew to love my imperfections and use them as opportunities to connect and then accept him and his shortcomings and being supportive. So there's something that, um, and Kat, you and I talked about this briefly too. And, you know, offline, you guys, Dr. Kat and I, you know, we've ha- we have conversations sometimes where I'm in tears and I call her and I'm like, call me, <laughs> and help like me. Midnight. <laughs> yeah, like at midnight, and we're both like drooling, falling asleep, <laughs> and I'm exhausted. <laughs> She's like, Diane, can you just get to the point? I'm like drooling and crying. And, uh, <laughs> 
and I'm also tired because I'm tired of having to listen to my own negative self-talk. This is not anybody else's, you know, pain to own, but my own, right? And I really want to own that. And I'm like, Dr. Cat, help me here. But also some people express pain in other ways. And, and I, there was a time where I said, Dr. Cat, you know, and I, and I, I don't say her Dr. Cat, I say other words that are endearing. And I say, you know, um, sexy unicorn lover, sexy unicorn lover, <laughs> that would be SUV. Wait, no, S-U-L, sexy unicorn lover, sorry. But I'm like, he can't get it up. What's going on here? What, what's, 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 what's wrong? And the first inclination is I, I did something bad. I'm doing something wrong. He's not sexually attracted to me, but I knew that that wasn't true. And when I, when I dug up the research, I realized that there's this huge inverse relationship between oxytocin and testosterone. And I, and I've talked about this since then with several men, when a man feels an extreme connection to, or, or any two people together, but this specifically is a man, it's an Audi. It's erectile dysfunction can occur as a result of a, an influx of oxytocin, which is this love hormone, because oxytocin and testosterone have an inverse relationship. So you guys can go back and listen to like where you can cultivate more oxytocin and what to do, what it means, how it's deficient in our society today, and how a flood of it, because a real relationship comes in, how a flood of it can actually be a boner killer. So, and you could listen to our episode about bone broth if it's a physical thing and not an oxytocin boner thing. Broth. Boner broth. Yeah. But I dropped my desire and need to be perfect. I realized that, you know, if he was, if he wasn't able to, you know, bring him to the table, that's okay. And I was able to cultivate love and patience and passion for him. But when I dropped my perfect about myself, I dropped my perfect about him and I was able to be completely unconditional, loving and understanding to him. So, yeah. So I think that just perfect is, is this thing, this perfect, this word that I'm just over it. I'm over it, Kat. There's, what do you have to say about that? I dumped perfectionism and got with good enough. That's what I did. That's what I did. No, but really, I growing up, perfectionism was such a, a, I thought it was motivating me to do these all these amazing things and achieving things in my life. But in reality, it was inhibiting me from my full potential. It impacts your creativity. It causes a lot of anxiety in your body. It keeps you from starting projects. It keeps you from finishing projects, like all kinds of things. So if we can, and we can relay this to sex too. Can we have good enough sex instead of the perfect sex that we see on movies? Can we have a good enough relationship or a good enough relationship with ourselves instead of having to be this ideal fantasy person or relationship that really doesn't exist. It is a potential that doesn't exist. So I wrote a blog article on that on my website, katmeyer.com. If you want to read about that and see how the, see the negative thoughts that are showing up in your life, in your mind that resonate with perfectionism and see how you can break up with it too. Oh, God, that's such a relief. Even just what you wrote on Instagram today and tagged me in, I was, it's just so, it's so freeing. I feel like a big weight has been dropped off of my back. Like I've been carrying this turtle shell of need to be, should be. And when that's gone, we're free to be. And I love that. I love that freedom. And I think that that's what I felt when I was in Bali too, in this whole relationship. That's what it's given to me is free to, free to be because I didn't make him out to be what I needed him to be either. There was no, there was no perfect. And 
you know, have sloppy sex, you guys, because people get people are afraid of sweating. They're afraid of smelling a certain way. It's like there's no perfect sex. There's just vulnerable, raw, real sex. So have fun with it. (laughs) Drop the hair. The hair needs to be a certain way. Your eyelashes are going to get all jacked up. Whatever. You make farting noises. Yeah, you make farting noise. Fall off the bed. You like (laughs) stick the dildo in the wrong hole. Like it's all good. It's. It's great. Oops, you kick a hole in the wall. You got to call your contractor to come over. Yeah, it's number eight. Yeah, number eight. Goals matter. So number eight, goals matter. If growth is not a key ingredient, stagnancy will be the result. So this is where I realize this is a big one for me now, Dr. Kat. If my significant other, my partner is not focused on growth, understanding what their triggers are you know what are the things that that come up for them that create the oh they're making me feel a certain way I, you know if diane is triggering something in me it's not that diane is making me feel a certain way it's that this trigger in me is until it's until it's resolved or until i understand it and i'm able to voice it and know where it came from i'm just going to be the bad person that, that that brings up these emotions and so i think goals matter one night i asked him what is it that you desire most from relationships? What what is the what is the growth that you desire? You know, how can I help you be a better man by being your mirror? And there was no answer. It was I don't know. And whenever I hear a person say I don't know, I think to myself, well what if you did know? What would be the answer? And I feel like sometimes I don't know is a deflection of I don't want to know. Mm, and like I don't want to do the work to do it. Absolutely, it might be painful. It might be painful. Oh my god! Exactly, and it's like the law. Oh my god! I might be up. wrong. I might be oh wrong. My god! My worldview. My yes. worldview. It's all wrong. I don't yeah. know what to believe anymore. Yeah. So, so what would you say about that one, Doctor Cat? I that's one of my number one in relationships too. Is that they have to, and I've told, I've told you know past partners in the past that you have to be. I want you to continuously be open to growth and feedback and reflecting. I've had amazing relationships where we would mirror each other. This is how you're showing up. This is how I'm feeling. You know, this is I'm seeing this going on, kind of thing. And it was such a beautiful, safe space to be able to to reflect those things to each other. And if we can hold that intention of here we are saying these things for growth and this isn't about you as a value of a person, it can be incredibly powerful. And if one person isn't on that same intention, it can be incredibly difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It and and then it, and it looks like I've done something wrong and that might trigger, you know, the little boy or the little girl inside someone that's like, oh my God, I did something wrong again. I made a person feel a certain way. So I think it's really important to understand our triggers. So that's a big one. Number nine, there's a fine line between patience and proactivity. And so when I, when I was, this is what we talked about already. I don't think we need to cover it too much. But when I said, hey, you know, when you're thinking about me, if you don't want to write thinking about me and you're pressed for time or you're in a meeting or something, I think that's kind of where it came from. Dr. Cat is like, send me a drool face. And, and he did once and I was like, Oh, that's cute. He's trying. And then I was like a week later, there'd been nothing after that. And I went, okay, well, where does patience and proactivity, where does the line stop getting blurred? And it's obvious that this person's not being proactive with what they said they were going to do. Yes. I, I and I think it's important to hear our partners and how they receive love. You know, coming back to the love languages, you know, if I see love as giving gifts, you know, I 
that's how I would like to receive or know that that you love me and you care about me. And we also have no idea what was going on in his worldview. We have no idea what's it. Some people are incredibly absent-minded. You know the number of couples I've had come into my office and I give them assignments to do little flirty things throughout the week and they just don't. And it's not what? because they don't love their... It's not that they don't love their partner. It's that so many other things are occurring and or their worldview is just that that has not been ingrained in their in their habits or their neural pathways to to put in relationships. So it's it's hard it's not so black and white to say oh you're 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 an asshole for not doing this. It's it's right. <laughs> more complex than that. And at the same time, I think we do need to step up and show our partner, "Hey, I'm holding a space for you in my mind as I'm going about my day." And here's a dual face to let you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I think every I think everybody is held back for their own reasons, but I think that that's also very important to talk about. Like th- this is why I haven't made it a priority and but when there's no conversation, there's no connection either. So I think yeah. it's like, you know, this is still important to me, but I'm still looking to develop a tool so it is important or something. So I think that that's where you come mm-hmm. in handy to have as couples counseling and therapy. Um, also, if some people are just too tired and they just can't even think straight and they have brain fog, that's where I come in where we've got to make sure we're restoring the endocrine system and whatnot. But that's on our other side note. So plug. But number 10, this is the last one. Not to be confused with the least important, but this is very important. I think it's one of my most important there's no more room for shame. So when you've dropped the guilt of your past and you forgive others and you forgive yourself. And what I realized, Dr. Kat, and this is the coolest one of them all. And I think this is why there, I believe this is why there has been no tears since the breakup is that this is the first time that I look back and I go, I was the most amazing unicorn warrior, beautiful girlfriend I could have been for this person. I also was the most self-loving I've ever been to myself, the most compassionate, patient, Mm. loving, resilient, unconditional loving that I've ever been to myself, to anyone. I sought my practice. Everybody even saw it in pictures when I was posting them, when I was traveling and came back. They're like, I can see it in your face that you're a different person. And that's how we can truly also change the exterior of our body, of our physical, by changing the interior of our relational and what I discovered in my hypnotherapy session, I was on the brink of it and I couldn't have discovered this unless I had been, unless I had done the work to get to this point of being open to the discovery. And I've been calling into my life wanting to be able to be more comfortable with drawing boundaries and and communicating boundaries in in a non-shaming to the other person way, but just being authentic with how, you know, what my boundaries were for myself. And what, what came out of that is something that I had been kind of, I had my thumb on for a while, but I didn't know it was as big as it was. And that was that I've been carrying around this need for approval from relationships specifically, uh, not so much everywhere else, but most in the relationships, I was looking for the approval of my coach in college who I had been benched by multiple games in a row after having been promised I was going to play and feeling the most embarrassed that I can recall in my teenage years when I was promised I would play and invited family members and friends and former coaches. And the day of my birthday, which was the third time it had happened in a row, he didn't play me. And after the game, after the whistle blew, I wanted to just 
run and hide never to be seen again after having been like the star player you know all state all stars going to and i call it you know from all star to bench bitch i was i was a you know badass soccer player and then i was a, a benched soccer player and since then that's when my drinking habits increased that's when my need for approval increased that's when my dating relational experiences were less healthy and when i came out of my hypnotherapy session I had had that just instant. It was like it was served on a platter. You are not a bench bitch. And I realized, wow, I just need to get complete with that. That's the hook I kept carrying and from relationship to relationship cat, like a monkey swinging from tree to tree is looking for approval. Will he, will he approve me? Will he play me? Will, you know, will this guy I'm dating in this relationship, will he put me on the field? Or will he say that he's going to play me and then not come through? So I had question integrity. I had trust issues, not specifically like, you know, they weren't really, I wasn't voicing them, but I had them inside. And things I feel like when we have that energy, people can pick up on that energy too. So that was a big discovery for me. We don't keep any of this stuff inside. It radiates out and it comes out in our behaviors, our thoughts, our, our behaviors, our body reactions, all of those things interconnect. And what I'm getting from this as we're wrapping up, this this list that you created is such a powerful tool for other people to do as well. When you come into relationships, when you leave relationships, when you're in the midst of them, tune in with yourself, go through and, and really dive in. Wow, this was really awesome. And as a reminder for all of you, first of all, Thank you, Diane, for being so vulnerable and sharing with us your journey. It's created such an awesome platform for um, helping us to pull out these concepts that we work on with our clients all the time. Yeah. You know, I'll say one last thing is that the the, the most powerful tool that I've had since then has, I, I pulled out a, a picture of me from when I was like five, the cute little girl that is me, the one I could look at and be proud of and ask myself, is that is that little girl deserving of these negative thoughts that I that I say to myself? Would would I say that to a little girl, a daughter of mine? Would I say these things? Would I say, "Oh, you stupid idiot, you shouldn't have said that"? Or no. So I am now talking to myself as though I would talk to a five year old daughter of mine if she were sitting right in front of me, and so that's really helped. So find the little the little kid inside of you that just wants to play and that wants to connect and that wants to be loved and wants to give love. And that's been my most powerful tool. So thanks, Kat, for allowing me to share. And thank you guys for listening. And thank you for relating. And thank you for feeling because I know all of these things that we are, like Kat said, we're, they're not unique to us. We're, it's part of the collective. And as a reminder, you can find out our complete show notes with links to all that we've talked about, including these art blog articles that are sharing about boundaries or about perfectionism, about gut microbiome <laughs> caused by all of this turmoil <laughs> and our giveaway for the Yumi vibrator on our website at eatplaysex.com. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Eat Play Sex. If you enjoyed this one, please head to eatplaysex.com or iTunes where you can subscribe to our show, find the links and leave us some feedback. We love those feedbacks. We love all the ratings and the reviews. They help us to stay on track and keep this your show. And if you're finding this is helpful, please, please share it with your friends. Share, share, share. Share, with, share it with your mom. Share it with your son-in-law. Share it. <laughs> we, we love knowing that these conversations are happening because we need to talk about sex more. We need to talk about relationships and healthy, 
healthy relationships, I mean. Uh, the impact on your sex life and overall well-being. And we want to see others get that same benefit. Once again, our website. It. Yes, yes, yes. Because sex matters. Sex matters. I'm Dr. Kat Meyer. I'm Diane Kayser. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Eat My Lovers. Sex.